reading that law line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. Yeah, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. folks uh something slightly different for the weekend today this is uh this is actually it's not my stream i'm going to be interviewed by chris france uh independent broadcast network is the uh the new platform for into the microsm and we're going to be having a face-to-face -face, uh just a general well i'm not sure what to expect actually so um i think we should just dive in uh of course caveat that should you wish to send donos and everything keep the show links down below you can use the qr code that's on the screen and now let's get in there and uh I'm talking to chris all right uh smooth transition chris how are you i'm good kevin how are you doing uh i am good i'm just i'm just realizing that if my recording my end is going to have all the chat on the screen so if i record um recording in progress yeah there you go if i just record the skype thing on my computer it should be a clean clean copy all right Good. so uh it's your show dude i'm i'm here yeah. i'm the guest so uh, uh first first off since i'm talking to your audience i wanted to thank them thank them so much because of their support and and all the good vibes i got from them I, i'll never forget that and that'll uh 
it opened me up to a whole different way of thinking that that that, that kind of force was was really real and it was i could actually feel it but over on ibm you know we have uh, quite a number of different hosts and talk shows and we have uh, a lot of stuff from the very uh, fringes of the alternative media on there um but when it comes to to you you know you're more into the uh reality of today and 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 the things that's happening to, to us and when i first discovered you it was over a year ago i think it was right around 20 like late 2020 maybe Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd been you started by then, right? Doing this. Oh yeah, right? yeah. I was probably been streaming about started in twenty twenty, early twenty twenties, perhaps nearly a year. Uh, and when I first started listening to you, um, it's almost as if my brain expanded. <laughs> it really is. Um, uh, I, I jokingly said to you once that my IQ rose 10 points just watching one of your streams um, and, and, then getting, <laughs> and getting to know you a little bit personally over the last year or so, I, I, I've wondered how the hell did a, did a little ruffian kid from Southampton Peterborough get, or Peterborough, <laughs> where, where you grew up as a kid, get to where you're at now and 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 that's part of my show it's called who are you and and what we do is we want to um, share with the audience a little stuff that they might not know about us um because most of the audience sees us for what we're doing right now and and, and who we are today they don't see where we come from what we experienced when we were younger and and what what kind of molded us into the people that we are today and and i'd like to you know, invite our audience into your life a little bit and, and for you to tell us how you went from, uh, you know, where you came from and how you got to where you're at and, well, and where you started. You want to bore your audience to death. That's the... I want to bore them, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, where, where, where to begin? I, I'm not sure where to begin. Um, well, where you, you were born, let's, you know, your, your mum and dad, and you were born well, in... Well, you know, my, on my father's side... Uh, was um, I don't know any of the family on my father's side. He was a product of the consequences of the Second World War, and the uh, he went through foster care as a youngster and was uh, a handful. Um, he was Brampton. They would. Uh, send him occasionally when there was no no foster homes and you know yeah. it, it, for him that start in life he could have ended up in a very very dark place but you know, he he signed up for the military RAF when he was 16 and uh, had an aptitude for it and um, there, there he learned. Well, he worked on, you know, this, the technology back then was, I don't know. Very it, yeah, the, <laughs> thing, things like um, helicopters were a sort of novel technology, right? right? And 
um, he he was trained up on what was Britain's nuclear deterrent force at the time. Um, so it was QRF, Quick Reaction Force. And um, he, he met my mother whilst he was uh, stationed in RAF uh, Wittering and decided, you know, he, he didn't, like I say, he didn't have family as such. Uh, you know, there was one family that did sort of foster and take care of him, but we didn't see them much. Uh, actually, <laughs> thinking back now, just to the memories. Um, so what would it, I, I did call her Nan, grandmother, and uh, um, she wasn't very fond of me, I remember. And uh, I, and so because of that, you know, my father was actually a very sort of protective individual. And uh, oh, I want to say thank you to Ornando on my side sending in a donor. Very much appreciate. Oh, yes, sir. He's he's, um, he's, a, he's he's a good guy out there. Thank yeah, yeah, you, yeah. He's he's one of the good ones, man. Fighting the good fight. And um, you know why was why was my mother there where she was? Well, my uh, I've mentioned it many times before. My grandfather was captured by the British in the Second World War. And they didn't want to. He, he was Italian, and it was the battles in North Africa. Uh, I've forgotten. So you got a, you got a little wapo in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the well, they they were originally well. He he was held in Wales, and uh, I'm trying to remember the. There were a lot of camps out there, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, the work camps, and basically they had him doing sort of farm labouring and stuff, and he just, he stayed after the war. Europe was very much um, a ruin. Destroyed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, he didn't he didn't want to go back. Uh, he, you know, the, I guess his, you know, he didn't speak very good English, so it was always difficult to have deep conversations with him, but, um, you know, the... the Mussolini regime, I guess, fascist regime. Oh, he yeah. Just, he just didn't want to go back and convince my grandmother to come over. And then, oh, you know, there's, there's long, boring tangents to that. But eventually they ended up, uh, my grandfather ended up working on the railways, um, fixing yeah. the the tracks, basically. Good job in Sorry? Work on a railroad is a, if, that's a good job in England if you work on a railroad. Yeah, it's hard. He was he wasn't like conductor or anything. He was there uh, building, building tracks, building and track and that kind of thing. And I think that's um, cool. Yeah, and, you know he's you know some of my earliest memories of me, him taking me to the train station and everyone sort of knowing him and we'd sit and watch the trains go by. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, that's the thing. I, I when, when I moved back here to England um, in 2019, is when I looked at how England was built up and the you know the, the train systems, the the motorways, but mostly the towns, right, and the buildings and the walls and the structures and the hedgerows. And you know how labor intensive that stuff is. And I'm thinking, my God, these people did a lot of work. Mm. You know, and it's like, yeah, they broke their ass to build this place, you know, and, and 
even today, there's a lot of hard workers out there doing it to keep it going. But the ones that actually originally built, you know, the instead of the Roman roads, you know, they developed highways and they developed uh, the infrastructure all around England. It, it's very easy to travel England. It's just hop on a train and you can go anywhere, right? Yeah, and they've actually shrunk the rail system a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, that was one of uh, Thatcher's. Well, even before Thatcher, I think they... Back in, back in his day, they had the big old steam engines and the... Mm. Yeah, look, when, when I was a kid, there used to be steam... Uh, I'm not sure it's really right to call them sort of steam. Yeah, they're still sort of powered by coal, but it's not like the the ones you would imagine with like stacks and stuff. They they, they looked a bit more a bit more modern. You'd, you you would see them, and I can I can remember them sort of being phased out. And I can remember um, the, the the big leap of something called the Intercity One Two Five. Yeah, <laughs> the train. <laughs> it was at 225 miles an hour, and. You know, I've got three memories of me when I was before I was four years old. Um, one was my tricycle broke. The other one was when my father came home once and threw me in the air and my head hit the ceiling. And the third one was when my mom was me and my mom were on the train from Edinburgh to London when she was taking me to the to the orphanage, to the Children's Society. And, um, but that train, I remember sitting on that train watching the countryside go by. It was cool as a little kid. And it was a, in a so I have a thing for trains and I have a thing for sailboats. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I grew up, that's what I grew up around, air base and railway. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Did, uh, did your dad, I mean, growing up as a kid around the military stuff, was your dad a the disciplinarian as far as in the home and stuff with you uh he was a hard man very very hard N not not you know he wasn't violent to us right. and, um but he was uh did he spare the rod not always <laughs> but i was a little tyke <laughs> when i was younger um i i i deserved it sometimes um, yeah putting stones through windows that type of thing <laughs> i was always getting in trouble but um the uh because of because of his lack of stable family growing up he was very protective of his and yeah. um but you know he like i say he was uh well, I don't. I, I don't know how normal it is, but you know, I'd I'd seen my father get into multiple fist fights even as a young kid. When they would be out, he would have a short, short fuse. And you like to tip a pint? No, no. It was usually when people like so we would go out, and if it, a lot of the times it was just like you ain't doing that in front of my kids. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So that, that, that sort of thing. Um, sober anger—that's different than than drunk anger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, it's a lot more meditate, a lot more premeditation to be in a, a sober, yeah, sober and angry. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. It's uh, I like to think I'm a chip off the old block, but old block. <laughs> but... Well, you know the, the the thing that's interesting though is you know people like yourself who are experts in their field and this i think this is across the board 
you know, my dad was one and, and um, I've known a few others out there that are, uh, I, I classify in the genius category, but you know, you're a neuroscient, is that neuroscientist? Yeah. That, that is that what you call yourself, right? Yeah. So where did that start? Did that start with you crawling around the creek beds and getting tadpoles and frogs? Oh, yeah, and... yeah. I used to do all that. Um, was, uh, that was actually uh, one of the times I got a good thrashing. <laughs> it's just the... Uh, so where we lived was just very flat and there would be like cornfields and stuff. And as kids, we used to go in there and just sort of flatten the the wheat right to I don't yeah. know, make dens and whatever but you know we went uh, little, for, little forts yeah <laughs> uh but you know we went a bit too much and farmer <laughs> farmer called uh police and i had to get taken back and you're not, you're not out there trying to make those ufos things yeah well i mean we weren't that sophisticated it was just um it was more just sort of hide and seek but we would I don't know. I, I, thinking back to it, yeah, we took a, we'd flattened a fair bit of <laughs> that dude's field. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, and it, you know, it, it was a time before computers and internet things like that. So you we, went out we, in in the yeah, morning. Yeah, we flat outside. Yeah. Outside was where you're at. You know, yeah. from time sun came up to the, might be late in the night. You know. Mm -hmm. um, Children played outside back in those days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it was. Uh, Imagine that, everyone. Children yeah. outside playing. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could get mine outside. But you know, and I think you know the, another thing about that, Kev, is that we were exposed to all those different um, variables in nature, right? Mm. Eating dirt, getting dirty, you know, touching things, you know. So I think, you know, the, the people that are living indoors today that are stuck in the internet world, they go outside and get around uh, somebody mowing their grass and they fall apart, <laughs> you know, from the allergies and stuff. But the, so was there any churchy stuff in your, in your household? Not in the house. Well, my grandparents. And so because they were Italian, um, they were Catholic. Roman Catholic and my grandparents were, well, they, <coughs> so there was a problem here. So because my father wasn't Catholic, um, mm. the priest refused to marry them and what have you. And that, that yeah. actually thought that my grandfather living in sin. Uh, well, he, he, he refused to go to the church then because uh -huh. they wouldn't marry his daughter um, of course but i can remember my you know my really early years we, i was the, the preschool i went to was all nuns and, yeah did they carry rulers or or sticks yeah they were they were pretty strict back then yeah. and you know i can i can I never liked it because they forced you to take a nap every day. Yeah, I remember that. They made you go to sleep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was, I don't know. I don't remember much from it. But, I, I, like, like I said, I remember it being strict. I remember the food sucking. And um, 
the uh, yeah the, the, the I don't know it was just part of the tapestry to see. So when did you start? You, you must have been smart, right? You must have been. So when you were in school, when did you start having an aptitude for learning? Ah, uh, well, you know, I. I, I some kids like just school. don't have that. Yeah, but the thing all. is, I didn't like school one bit. Okay. Right. Um, Neither did I. <laughs> and the. You know, my brother was very scholastic. And yeah. myself, I was. Look, they. Even back then, they were like, oh, he's, he's hyperactive. And I couldn't sit down. I had to be out moving constantly. Um, 10, 11, 12, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old? No, younger than that. And uh, seven, eight, six. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that sort of age. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't abide. They would have put you on Ritalin in these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, even back then, they, they, they were offering medications and my mother refused oh. them. And, um, my days, they were often lobotomies and, and electric shock therapy to my friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's, uh, look, I was uh, tame compared to, look, there were some real feral kids back then, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't outside of the norm so much. These, these were just my own personal um, feelings about school. And you know, the, mm -hmm. by the time I got to secondary school, and you know that was 10 miles away and that would be like a school bus ride yeah. and you know the we would count the clock to the second and if the bus was late boom we'd be off right <laughs> that's uh that's just just the way it is and the i don't know i was i was away from school so often well what what used to happen was so i i would i would go on my bike, right? Yeah. And this was towards the later years, once once I was sort of getting to 14. Did you have like a Schwinn? A Schwinn? Uh, what, did I, what did I have? Like old, old Peugeot. Did have a banana, banana seat on it? Um, no, when I was a kid, yeah, I had a rally, rally grifter. My brother had the chopper and uh, the... Nice. <laughs> And then like the Sears with the fat, like a dragster. It was like a dragster. It had a little, little front tire and a big back tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A slick, slick rear wheel. <laughs> the, the gear shifter in the middle. Um, but the cool kids, the, the rich kids had the Schwins. They were the top of the line. Yeah, didn't have that. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the I, I can remember just disliking school so much. And, you know, if the bus was, and you know, it was a constant sort of issue with the school, saying, you know, yes. your son's, but well, I would go in, go, Did go do. Did you not like it because it was boring or because it was just, you felt like it didn't, you didn't need it? I, I, I just had a job to just sit and listen to, and then, you know, there were some classes I liked. I actually, so the science classes, I would show up for those. So I, yeah, you could say that there was a aptitude for science back then the sort of practical stuff i didn't mind i liked uh the tool shop. English literature nah fuck all that i hated it <laughs> <laughs> that's for puffs 
It's, you know, I, I didn't do a, a page of homework in school, and I never took one book home in no. school the whole four years. All never four did years. it. Never did homework. And the thing is, it's it's such a stark contrast to how my kids are. Yeah. They get homework every day. Yeah. Right? And they have to learn you know, kanji, and uh, they have to write it out. And um, Yeah, I graduated in, what, 1976, and... They were just starting to teach us how to punch cards for card readers, for computers. Yeah. yeah. He, he punch cards. Well, my dad was a computer scientist, and they're trying to teach me this crap. He's coming home with these bundles of paper with zeros and ones all the way across. Mm. <laughs> you know? And you know, I'm already paranoid of computers. Yeah. <laughs> that was in fifth, fifth grade. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Those were the times, and you know, I can, I can remember the, like the computers, like home computers emerging onto the scene. Yeah. And you know, so I'm 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 old enough to remember that, and the first like Atari's. Well, even before Atari's, there was some. Remember Pac-Man or no? It was Ping, Ping, right? Pong, Pong, or Ping. Yeah, it was just like you it had a little a, rotating the thing. First and, game. Yeah, it, <laughs> just it was on national TV news, right? NBC, CBS, ABC on the on the evening news. Mm. The very first computer game. Ding, ding. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now they now you can make a monkey play that game, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's that simple one. Uh, but you know that things things have changed a lot um, in fifty years, and the yeah. uh, well, we've seen it. We've with our own two eyes the the enslavement of society into this internet paradigm where we're trapped inside this bubble. That if if it breaks, we're all fucked, right? Mm. Um, so you know, but. So you're you're a little you're a little ruffian kid, right? You're smart as hell. When did you finally turn the key on that independence thing? Where you were a kid, were you 13, 14 years old? Where you said, and you started to make decisions on your own, whether they were negative or good. Um, most of my well, I, I I left school. I started making negative decisions when I was in my. I think 10, 12 years old. Yeah, you know, again, that was, I consider that just the tapestry of being a young kid, right? Just, and like I said, I didn't, I didn't like school. And, you know, it, at one point the headmaster went to, drove to our house and woke my father up because he was, and he was working nights. And, and that was that was it. I never had a problem again. I could come and go as I pleased. <laughs> and uh, the um, and at sixteen, I, just, I as soon as I turned sixteen, I left school. I went to work in because uh... that was legal to do in England, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I, I started working, and that was in a um, factory uh, warehouse packing. And yeah, I I would do that. Um, when I was literally, it's like the old, um, you know, sort of mining town. So my mother worked there, my father yeah. was working there, I worked there, and the um, 
Well, when I when when I turned sixteen, when when I was working there, so I'd not, I'd not long been there. I'd been there a few months, and then, um, you know, my father was a fitter, maintenance, yeah. um, guy, and the, uh, the, these machines would break down, and he was fixing it, and the guy who was operating it because they he was too lazy to get up and flick that you know because of. There would be a yeah. dead, dead man switch on it. He'd had it jammed open, uh, so he wouldn't do it. And then my father's hand got taken in, and that sort of spiraled me out a little bit. Well, a lot. And so a lot, a lot happened as I sort of left school. And yeah. my grandfather had his first stroke. Now he's, I think I was still at school when he had his first stroke. And then you know that a full-on full-on stroke it was quite a severe one yeah and paralyzed he yeah. could it was frontal cortices actually so he wasn't it didn't the motor system was fine it was just his executive function just just brain, the brain yeah and the and then when my father had his accident I don't know. I just uh, you just start hanging out late, going out with the right. And maybe that would have happened anyway. And then at that age, you're in the pubs at sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and what you know, you talk about is it Southampton? You talk about where the streets, Peterborough. the difficulty with the people, mostly the migrant people, mm. right? Mm. Is that is that where that started to to occur? Is when yeah. You so the, the, this was this was and I can I can remember growing up and you know what was this? It was an Italian Polish community right. that worked at the railways, right? Wow. And that they were there from the Second World War, and that got supplanted by um, Pakistan, Pakistanis, Afghanis. That Afghan war was. Um, ongoing and so there were a lot coming because of that. I don't, you know i don't know if a lot of people in america understand this but i i think they do in, in back in like the the early city neighborhoods back in the 50s and 60s in america were very similar but if you walk down the, the street and there were a group of people your adversaries on the other side of the street you were at risk you know of, of something occurring whether you're there by chance or you're on your way to the bus stop or you're going to get something from the shop you can be accosted out of the blue from these people and 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 that happened quite a bit in fact in england they had what the rape gangs yeah yeah yeah. that was um you know there was a lot a lot that went on that people knew about and the you know not not much was done and you know that that was going on for uh, all the time that i was growing up and you know it was so around at 16 i took my first acid trip yeah. and then what year was that in the 80s uh just nine, 1990 and okay. um I, maybe it might be eighty nine. Can't remember. Still. 
and I don't know, if, uh, uh, you know, something sort of clicked in in me, and I was like, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> that, is that something's something um, opened up. Yeah, and and, and I don't know. It's, it, like, it, it's it was, like opening a door. Yeah, and there was a, I don't know. You sort of at that age, you can do it too much, but I would say I'm thankful because what it did do is it turned me off from the drinking culture because the drinking right. culture was very very prevalent and so, still is. yeah it still is today <laughs> yeah and um i don't know i i, I had i don't know what five five years six years before i went back to school uh, now yeah. when you say went back to school so you got out of normal school with what kind of grades nothing right so how did you end up from going from that to the what university of edinburgh mm. yeah yeah so how, how the hell did that happen look there was uh There were trouble that you know I, that I was hanging around with, and um, it was it was taking me in the wrong direction. And you know there were there were just sort of events happening. Yeah, that comes with the, that's part of the plan. <laughs> you deal with that shit. Yeah, and you know I saw friends I grew up with did go down that pathway, and. Um, luckily, my parents were, um, you know, they, they were critical of what I was doing. So, you know, I, I left home early and all this, and they were they were like, oh, you, I literally tell me, you waste, you're wasting your life doing, doing that. And, you know, there right. was a number of, I should say, you know, like, like real, real brutal violence right and there was one one time where we were just hanging out friend and he had the upper apartment his brother lived below and these were all um yeah they were all into meth and um yeah. they were and ser serious meth like injecting it that sort of thing so they're all in psychosis all the time. <laughs> oh God, yeah, and you know, so there there would just be this sort of um, parade of loons coming through, whether I was coming ever more into their orbit, and then mm -hmm. I don't know, like the the, fr the brother of my friend, um, and you know, they, these these were I don't know. I don't know how to like describe them. Right, there's there's a hardcore who are going to pubs, drinking, and um, you know, uh, fighting, wheeling and dealing. Yeah, yeah, and th this th th this was the sort of um, terrain in which I was um, operating in, and then I can't remember the exact reasons, but like this this one dude who was just literally. He's, he was known as sort of like one of the worst, most sort of violent um, of these sort of 
Ned Welsh, right? He had a little bit of Ronnie Cray in him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so one one evening, we're just hanging out. What, what are you doing? <laughs> the devil finds uh, work for idle hands. Well, it wasn't that. We were, we were just um, smoking. Next thing yeah. we know, um, this dude has... And I think it was because his brother went with the girl, woman, who this other dude was um, having uh, relations with. Yeah. And we're sitting there, and the next thing we know, front door just flies in. And you know, at the time, you think, oh, it's the police, something like that. And this dude has got an yeah. axe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an axe and he's sort of coming up the because it was upstairs and my friend whose brother was downstairs yeah. um he he was going after the brother right but just hit the wrong door and it just all went off in this stairwell <laughs> like like literal axe fight but he couldn't he couldn't swing because the narrow um yeah. it just got short little mm, mm. so like we're piling down from the top and then by this time the brother has come through and the brother was a you know he was a right nasty mean bastard as well and those two just went at it and um there was blood everywhere and and I don't know, I think I want to say at the same time I got a bike stolen and How old are you? Uh nineteen. Okay. Um maybe maybe a little younger. And you know, the my parents were just like, you know, what what are you Was doing? Was that the very first real serious trauma you ever uh, I mean, I'd, I'd had this sort of whole series in sort of like a five-year, six-year period, right, from sort of like my grandfather, my father. Yeah, after that. was violent. I mean, that was pure-ass violence. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was brutal. Um, and the... My parents just sat me down and just said, look, you know, you're going to end up like that if you don't... If you don't um, make a u-turn what you're doing and i made the decision to go back to school um my brother was at university at the time so i stayed with him went to a local college got my o levels a levels and whatnot and the when did you start focusing on the neuroscience stuff um so that was that was when I was doing my exams for to get into university so I in the UK you usually do three specialized subjects so I did biology chemistry and psychology and the at that phase in your life they're talking about you know what sort of careers do you want to do and neuroscience was a cool thing there was only 
I want to say two or three universities doing neuroscience, St. Andrews, Edinburgh, and uh, Southampton, actually, I think was the other one. And the, um, so I applied to St. Andrews and to Edinburgh. And the, I was, I was sort of torn between which ones to go, go to, and then train spotting came out yeah and i was like hey, i'm going to edinburgh that place looks that place looks cool <laughs> and uh so i, en- I ended cool. up in edinburgh and yeah that's a good deal that's you know i was born in edinburgh mm, mm. well yeah. in, in Leith. i remember it when i was a kid i was uh, I had a little tricycle right the one that broke mm. but i would follow fire you know the fire lorries would have the ladders in the middle back mm-hmm. in the day yeah yeah if any of them came up our street we'd get on our tricycles and follow yeah, after yeah. Them. <laughs> well, that was always we a great day when the fire fire engines were around <laughs> hey one day we were gone for two hours right we ended up at up near the up near the castle mm. And two of the palace guards found us. Mm. And they had to. They took us up to the castle, and they called the constable. And the constable said, "Oh yes, we have some children." <laughs> I ran away on a tricycle. It was yeah. pretty cool, but yeah, but I hope to make it back there someday. It's yeah, only it was, eight hours. It, it, it was I great. I, I took to it like a duck to water, and because, the thing is, because I was older than the regular. Yeah. university kids um yeah I, yes, I didn't get distracted so much <laughs> and yeah. you know the and I, I made sure that i was going to focus on my degree cool. right because you you had to edinburgh isn't that one of the most prestigious schools as far as educational yeah. value yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i i worked my ass off also had a job at uh Sainsbury's working on the tills yeah fund it and then I mean for somebody to 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 learn how you learned and and to, to do what you did and still do um when did you recognize that you had a brain that was a little bit more able to to take in information and store it without because mm. <laughs> what you'd have in your brain would probably blow up most people's brains i i, I don't know it's just it's just what you spend your time around and right the... there's so much of there's so many variables in your work that it, it, it you just got to put your mind to it and you know i i know that or i saw many many young kids who just come straight from school and just made a mess of their so you don't think that you're anything different any far above average than any others no as far as intellect no i've i've met some real power uh interesting in this in the circles i have moved it's like intellectual humility (laughs) that's something because you know i i look at you like on the pinnacle, right? Mm. Um, and I think many, many people do. I, I think there's lots of people out there that look at you as one of those guys that um, modern day 
um, cyber hero type people, you know, Man, you're, out there, that <laughs> you're out there trying to, 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 you know, you're out there trying to do good and, and, uh, you know, improve people's situations and, you know, that kind of stuff. So you're in Edinburgh, you graduated from there and I'm sure you walked off the stage with, uh, with a job offer already. Right. Uh, so at, when I got, when I graduated, um, I was looking for a PhD placement and I had, a okay. a girlfriend who I met very early on at university. She was a French girl and she actually got a job and like, she was very smart. She, she was, um, uh, what they call the institutes in France, but they're, they're very, very, um, prestigious. Like, like Mensa. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's the school that you get into and oh, cool. she, she, she was doing chemistry. And so, uh, she, that, that was really useful for me at graduate level to have uh, someone who was, you know, she was a few years, well, no, she was a year ahead of me. You can bounce stuff off her. Yeah, so I was I was able to work through a lot of the coursework and the theory because she was she was so so good at, yeah. at biochemistry, and um, I was I was just very very focused on not going down the the path that. Uh, people that I grew up with and, and look not all of them were bad some some of you know, yeah. some have got families and um they, they they worked it out in the end and yeah. um others didn't some aren't here today yeah. now uh because of use you know I had uh, suicide one of my best friends killed himself and yeah. um and you know he he was a he was a very close friend and i would i'd started my well he'd, he'd been suicidal for quite a long time and had had multiple attempts and he would he would just get drunk a lot and, was he drunk when he did it yeah oh god i mean look it's it's one of those painful memories for me because you know i was I was always on the end of the telephone for him, even though I was sort of, I'd sort of left that yeah. um, background, etc. And the he, what can I say publicly? Well, th th so he he had a child with a. <laughs> there was some right Hilda beasts where. I grew up, but um, he he had a kid with this young girl, and his how should we say drinking got in the way, and I remember I was in uh, so I'd, I'd started my degree in Hôpital Salpêtrière in Paris, and I was there for I. I I agreed to do the PhD. It was with a very prestigious lab, and 
um, you know, I got I got that because of contact through Edinburgh, and you know that was a, that was a time when you know when the the cl- the class size was very small. Once you'd hit that honors year, and I was by then I'd sort of got this fascination about basal ganglia and electrophysiology, and um, right. he, my girlfriend, got a job in. Paris for it was Danon, the yogurt, French yogurt company. And so I, I went I went to do the PhD there and first year they didn't pay me. <laughs> Just, and you know, it was it was it was like I was supposed to be grateful. <laughs> I was supposed to be grateful for doing their their lab work, right? and, yes. and you know, I can. You're allowed to do it for them, right? But that, no, but the thing is, they promised me, right? They said, you know, we'll get you funding if you if yeah. you come and do this work. And you know, it was it was a different time back then, and it was hard to get people to do that work. And this was work with primates, and um, it takes a. I don't know, a unique aptitude to be able to work with those animals. But I, I don't know, I, I had a knack for it. And, but I was very, very bitter at them tricking me into taking this position. But luckily I was, um, because my girlfriend, girlfriend at the time was working. She um, Yeah. And so she was sort of, keeping me and then um you know I was, I was with her for quite a few years and i got i did the second year of my phd in france and they i i, I in the second year they they actually started to they got some funding and they were giving me a little bit of money but things by then had already sort of soured somewhat and i was i was looking elsewhere to to try to finish it or, or my PhD somewhere else and um, the relationship with that girl sort of broke down um, I met another one and it was I was just at like a confluence of events and I, I met this girl and I don't know if I want to go too much into that and but anyway i got this offer to go to emory the primate center yeah and then the guy who i was going to go and work with then changed position and 9 11 had happened by then and i i agreed to go to the us so i got all my visas everything and this girl who i just met um you know, young love and everything and she was like oh you're gonna leave me and she couldn't get a visa unless we got married so we got married and i took her over to the us with me and um basically i had to the the guy said oh i don't have funding now for you to do <laughs> your phd you should, I, 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 he did it again <laughs> yeah 
Um, oh no, I'm used to that. That happened during my PhD. <laughs> oh my god, you'd be so, you, this, this is why I'm. Uh, well, maybe we'll just get through that as a, as I sort of relay the, the the history, I guess. And so I ended up working as a lab tech for two years uh, uh, in Philadelphia, Thomas Jefferson University. That was with monkeys as well. And then eventually I got my PhD back through the UK in collaboration with UCSF, California. And I went there and did, did my PhD work. And then I was, well, you know, the, <laughs> we got married to this girl and I was like, come on, it's time for kids. And she didn't, she didn't want to have kids or anything. And yeah. then I got this postdoc because the, the guy whose lab it was came to the lab I was at in San Francisco and he'd seen what I was doing and he was like, why don't you come to my lab and you can do what you want. And I was like, okay. And my first wife, she was Jordanian. And her father called me up, uh, my father-in-law, I guess. And the, um, so someone asking if I went to, so the thing is I was going to Emory and then this guy moved to Virginia in the process and then lost this private funding that he had. So I, ne I never ended going to Emory. I, I know, I know many, um, researchers at Emory, um, the research world, neuroscience world and primates, it's quite a small one. Yeah. And the, so my father-in-law rings me whilst I'm in San Francisco. He knows I'm going to Israel and he, he, he goes bananas at me. And, oh, you can't go there. You can't take my daughter there, etc. And that, um, then, then just like a, the, the, the events happen in your life that just sort of, um, it's send you spinning off down a, a particular trajectory. Now, and, when you were, when you were in school and stuff, going through all those things mm. up until this point, had you come across any shady characters that were like working for government and, mm. Like these bioweapon type people? No, no. Um, it's... So, I was looking at, at Porton Down because I knew they had monkeys, right? And, well... It's I was, a BSL Is that a BSL-4? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and I was, I was thinking of going there or, or trying to get... a to Cambridge and then this offer to go to America came up and then I went I went to the US and um I don't know there was there was just this crazy one night that just sort of I don't know like it drives you in a particular direction right and so um I was 
Well, we were out. We'd gone to a sort of tour of vineyards and what have you, and um, we're all getting drunk. And um, we'd, we, I was hanging around with these Irish lads who were there, just doing building work and stuff. And they, they'd invited us to this vineyard so we could, because they were working on it, and we sort of stayed overnight. And then. Um, we're just sitting there chilling having a good time and then the guy who was like the boss of the workers and what have you he sort of comes into uh, uh, sitting around drinking and have you and smoking and then um he just pushed my wife into the swimming pool and uh well i you know so i'm (laughs) so the, the, the you know the hammer gets pulled back right uh, and I think okay, and then she goes inside to get dry, and the next thing I know, I hear her screaming. He's trying to get into the bathroom where she was changing. So me and him just went at it. So because she was Jordanian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was Jordanian. Um, and he, this guy was what? Um... He was American. Um, wow. So we. So I roughed him up a little bit and, you know. How big are you? 5'11"? No, no, 9. 5'9". But you're about what? Well, I'm heavier now. I was was just very quick back then and just... Sturdy. Sturdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So heavy hands. And the... That little fucker, because I I was just like, all right, I can, I'm I'm either gonna really do this dude over, or we get out of here, and um, so I get in the car, drive away. Next thing I know, police pulling me over, and uh, he's like, "If have, have you been in a fight?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "Have you been drinking?" Like not really and that means yes <laughs> I, I, I had a few batch i was just i was just smoking weed more than anything that's a good <laughs> what um, year was that the 80s no 90s. no no this this was it was just after 9-11 oh so it's 2001-2002 yeah after that and the so the police officer gets me out of the car and does a roadside sobriety test, right? Yeah. And I did it okay. And so, but they wanted me because I'd beaten up the dude at the vineyard. Yeah. And um. So he, he he calls and then next thing I know there's a a bike there and another car and they're all they're like do it again <laughs> did it again and um, they just they arrested me there and uh, mm-hmm. took me took me to the station I blew I don't know just over the limit. Right? Point one oh something. 
Yeah, yeah it was it, it was just over, but you know, whilst I was my, cuffed, my last DWI cab was point four three. Fucking. <laughs> so whilst I'm uh, in the back of the police car, the my, my wife's sort of in tears and she's hugging me and I'm like whispering in her ear I've got a pipe in my pocket you need to get it out <laughs> oh god <laughs> which he did and then I got there and uh, yeah, good for your wife it's not my first time in the jail cell so it's just I just yeah. sat there waited till the morning and um, and let you go yeah. no I had to post bail and then um, they 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 charged me for assault and battery and whatnot. Um, That's a crown court convict, right? Crown court. Well, this is in San Francisco, and um, oh, so that's a felony court. Mm -mm. And um, but there was like multiple witnesses saying, you know, he'd started it and yeah, um, assault. You just had to go. Through, you just had to go through the process, mm. which is and, a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went quite often. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's say I've had a not stranger to the back of a police car in that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and so that at, at that point, I was just like, I'm going, I'm going to Israel, right? And just said, fuck it. And. So we split up. Yeah. I, I went to Israel. I was there for three years. Um, Primarily, what was your work in Israel? Just... Same, same. I've, you know, I've been lucky that, you know, so the work I started to do in Paris, I, I carried that on. And so I was always doing my work, no one else's. And... Well, that's not so much true in USSF. I was focused more on a, a RO1 project for Parkinsonian mothers. But my, well, the, the thing is, because uh, you know, there was this anger at how I'd been treated in Paris, right? And it, it was just a case of, look, he's the foreigner. He gets the short end of the stick and what have you. And so I was just on this burning mission just to beat, uh, my PI at the time. Uh, I mean, uh, academically, right? I was, yeah. I was. Um, Show Murta, and that's all. That's all I did. That's all I focused on was just getting. I knew. I knew the research outline because of the working with him, and I just beat him to the post every time in my <laughs> career with publications. I was like, and that's that's all I was doing. I was just, and like I say, I had a, I don't know. You get you get keyed in on something, and then boom, um, um, competitive spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, well, you know, I I became well known. Yeah, I had quite some breakthroughs with Parkinson's and Tourette's and yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I, I oh. developed the first um, Tourette model of um, in non-human primates. 
people use that model to what do they use it for as so, far as you know when when i was starting my phd deep brain stimulation was emerging onto the scene as this yeah. um therapy for parkinson's and it worked so well for parkinson's disease and there was a theory at the time was that the your cortical mantle sort of converges down into these basal ganglia regions and potentially you could go in right if you target the motor right. regions for parkinson's you can get therapeutic effect stick, stick a probe down in there and and you know during that time i was i would i would make a point of seeing as much of the clinical side as possible and the um, yeah i just yeah i i had this rage in me it was a rage just to hip this dude to the, the post yeah. all the time with um publications in yeah. that space tattoo, tattoo fool on his forehead <laughs> well he, you know he was a difficult man yeah Leon i have a question for you about what you know the, the work and that is that you know, when you when you take the electrode and you place it into the brain itself mm. and you flip the switch, what type of current or what kind of power is going into that electrode? Mm, not not it's so a voltage much. of some type? So it can vary, but typically if you're using volts, two to five volts well, is normal. Or if you're using lot, milliamps. Yeah. Three to a thousand milliamp, thousand milliamps would be high, wow. um, and it just depends. You know, voltage, and, and again, these are just the sort of because that's how everything works in the in the brain. It's all electrical, correct? Uh, a, a electrochemical, right? Yeah, electrochemical. Yeah, and you know the I, you know I was just fascinated by electrical properties of biology more than right. more than the chemistry or the genetics and the genetics back then like the human genome project was hadn't yeah, been done that. yet and um you know there was talk of it and um is that, is it, did that have anything also collaboration with the brain was it called the brain project that was uh obama's brain initiative that was very much uh uh, US based program and yeah. the I was so focused on getting that model right and getting my name on that model that you know brain programs and I didn't care I was just making sure that I working every day trying to get that data and you know it's not it's not an easy thing to do um is it a, a pat is it a patentable process no no and um you know i had sort of two two directions right so parkinson's is the bigger area of research but the more interesting part for me was these frontal limbic and associative circuits so i was 
mapping those and modulating those to to see if what we could get that would map to human neuropsychiatric it was it was a case when i started that there was just debate about you know whether <laughs> whether you could really point to neuropsychiatric disorders as being you know that well, bi biologically based, right? Because we d we didn't have the understanding back then. It was it was it was beginning to blossom, right? And the nineties and the well, the first decade of the two thousands, it really began to explode in in life sciences. I don't know. There was like a critical mass and. Um, so the idea is when somebody is off, like schizophrenic, delusional. So not, so not schizophrenic. So what primary focus on was obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, OCD. Yeah. Um, because that has a very, um, it, it, it's a consistent pattern of behavior behavior it's abnormal behavior but it, it it's it's always going to repl it's replicable yeah 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 and it, and, yeah. there's no real primate models of schizophrenia and the, well you know I, I talk about this all the time that the, the, you'll often sort of see overlaps between conditions and right. you know so one of the marks of schizophrenia is impulse control disorder right? right that they'll see or do something they just have the urge to do it and can't um can't control themselves yeah. and, and, it's, it's, and it seems like with schizophrenia there's always this you know crazy tag to it right like life schizophrenia are crazy but people who have parkinson's are sick well, no, the, the, we see that now. Schizophrenia as a as a sickness, right? But the you know the, the stigma out there against any type of mental illness is incredibly horrible. Um, but you know, I've I've had a lot of schizophrenic clients, and um, combined with their alcoholism or their drug addiction, that's that's really fun to deal with. <laughs> a schizophrenic yeah. drug addict—that's a good one. Yeah, and um, the thing is, they the, the, the too often collide and yeah very much so and you know why why is that well you know a lot of these people just come from broken lives and um and their lives are broken and they're just trying to muddle through i believe i also believe this a little bit kevin and i don't know if you agree but i believe a lot of mental illness stuff um has a spiritual component to it as well as a physical component meaning that like some people say the schizophrenics actually are a combination of two two entities that are kind of fighting each other and one's taking control over the other uh, people with uh, borderline personality disorder same type of thing uh, you know to where there's two there's not a single influence in that body there's extra influences that confuse it and 
that doesn't know how to act. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, so this, you have to think of it in, so you, if within the normal space, right, the brain is operating as a well-coordinated symphony of interactions between very, very complex networks. And something like, schizophrenia where and you know it is it does have a sort of degenerative component to it and as those networks begin to in a way that they they they're competing with each other right and so you have to think about the brain as always trying to engage in predictive action selection to move you towards a goal Right. That's what it evolutionarily has uh, um, evolved to do, and um, but to do that, you you require a whole bunch of these. How would you? So functional domains dedicated to each type of the behavior, right? So you would have motoric right so you've got to get up and do something for a behavior right. for example right. but you've also got to have networks that say oh i want i, I want to do that and i need right. to do that and these the, the how these sort of work together is is still very much uh, a mystery to some extent and in a fragmenting mind which schizophrenia seems to be you know these networks aren't being selected or, or, or they're not being suppressed a lot of what your brain needs to do is suppress yeah. behaviors so that you're just doing the ones that you need to do and this comes blurting out a lot of mm, a lot of it mm, and so this is catch-all i'd say all the time impulse control disorder right so yeah. when one one network is saying well we need to i don't know <laughs> go go catch the bus to um do this and then you know you can the mind will be fragmented and there'll be a push and pull with the other one wanting to you know especially if it's there are drugs involved that will say no we're going to focus on the um yeah. the drug aspect and um that but because of the hedonic aspect Often tends to win win out over what would be you know, the the mind's ability for abstraction and planning for what would what we would consider as a sort of healthy uh, trajectory to uh, to follow. And you know the the spiritual aspect of it. You know I'm I find all that very fascinating. Um, are you a spiritual person? Um, yes, but I don't. Not in a normal sense, though. Well, right? you know, I'm not a church goer, but I, <laughs> um, I fear the great raccoon in the sky, brother. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Every, every. You know, my belief is that, you know, the, the, the name of my website, The Spiritual River, and that's kind of like what. Um, it describes my life, right? And 
and we all have these rivers that flow and, and you know you have yours i have mine other people have theirs and, and and our rivers come together at certain points along the way you know and we become we become stronger and, and bigger and greater and you know um from the time that you were uh finally gotten to that pinnacle point of, of your career to where uh but you ended up becoming a principal investigator in is was it korea or in japan korea, yeah korea now what uh, is a principal for those who don't know what is the principal investigator so you're the head of the lab um you know it's your lab you give it your name um and it's your responsibility to uh get the grants and but you know again it was one of these things where it was a new institute just opening up and they were the idea was that they were planning to get another half of their building which would house primates right and and to get into an institute when it's starting that's that's a good thing right because you can you can be the top dog very very quickly but um so i signed up went over and then as as i well, within i don't know months of getting there there was just this massive political scandal in korea where the female um prime minister at the time yeah uh, days of sun moon uh sorry say that again the days of sun yon moon the no, cult leader no 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 well i mean there was cult sort of involved but yeah. um i don't know i was there a few years and i managed to get out some work as a pi so um but what what happened was the the institute so the the prime minister or president of south korea came from the city where this institute was being built and so she she'd been pouring resources in but because she she got caught up in a scandal um where she was well uh again i don't know i don't know what it is but um asian people have a predilection for cults and that type of thing and it, in, in japan uh in korea especially so yeah. and she, christian there's a lot of christian influence in korea right yeah 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 and but it's it can take all kind of strange yeah. and weird convolutions and the so there was a there was demonstrations in seoul and I want to say it was like head of a farming union got hit full in full in the face with a water cannon and, and got put into hospital and this that really started to cause a premiership to come on come oh, under oh. pressure and he and at, at this time as well so my third youngest boy was born in korea premature and right. there was there was a whole 
Oh, it was just shit show all, all along, all the time. So, you know, I'm I'm sitting there with I'm having dinner with the director of the institute, and you know, the, the he's like, "When's your wife coming over? You got to bring your wife over and what have you." And and she comes over seven months pregnant with two young kids as well, and immediately goes into labour, and. They didn't have any um, premature. Um, no, they promised me that she was covered by medical insurance and everything, and that it would all be taken care of. And that she had no medical insurance when she arrived wow. in Korea. So she, you know, they took her to a hospital for um, a small sort of foreigner-friendly private hospital, and then they were. Yeah, there's no insurance, and uh, well, it was three, four thousand dollars a night in in the hospital, and um, how did that go down? So, you know, she's she's they they get the contractions under control, right? And basically, she's sort of ordered. They, well, we had to we had to leave the hospital because we just couldn't afford the, right. the fees to stay there, and um, the so she she was basically ordered bed rest and what have you, and we had a home help come visit whilst they tried to get medical insurance sorted for her, and then. Uh, you know, it all, it all happened very quickly, and then my son was born, I don't know, I want to say like seven weeks premature. Yeah. And That's early. Yeah, and but he was a good weight. Um, he was three kilos. And... How big is that? That's about as big as your hand? Hmm. Maybe a little uh, bigger? Two hands. Two hands? Wow. Yeah. Little uh, teeny babies are, are pretty pretty special when you see them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... It'll make you believe in God. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, when my first daughter, she came out and her eyes were wide open and she looked at me <laughs> and, yeah, I was just like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. And... Um, so... It, this this friction so i wasn't happy with this institute right because they'd promised me this lab and lab facilities and then it just didn't materialize so i couldn't do anything so i was just maintaining lab space back in japan yeah and the well i it's, i i can remember and putting because he was so premature, he was put into the neonatal ICU, and I, I I saw that and the tubes in him and what have you, and I was just like, no, I ain't having that. Give him to me. And yeah, you, I, nurse, you nurse fed him yourself, didn't you? With yeah, the yeah. Eyedropper. And you know the. That's gonna be. You know that's gonna. Uh, in your relationship with him, when he gets later on in life, 
and real, realizes what that is that he that you did with him. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, well, it's be, how many men would get the chance to ever do that? You know. I don't know. And I mean, it, it was only it was only because I spent so many years nursing Parkinsonian monkeys that couldn't eat. Yeah, when you're taking care of your patients and, and monkeys and stuff, right? Mm. So I just, you know, I had the patience and the wherewithal to sort of just sit there and be able to do that. And so there was there was just the language issues and then because this institute was so... It was a dead end, right? Because they were never going to build the primate facilities. And so, you know, I was, I would just use the time to keep the lab work and space in Japan. And I would come and work um, in Japan all the time. And so I decided that the kids would be better in Japan whilst um, I, w- I was working, right? Well, realistically, Japan's a better country, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Japan is like the Switzerland of Asia. And, and Korea is like, like the Mexico of Asia. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not that bad. I would, it would be like, I don't know, Italy. Right, just more chaotic, more uh, yeah, yeah. just like, rambunctious. <laughs> but with, you know, Japan is clean, quiet. <laughs> Nobody bothers you. And, yeah, absolutely. And the so I made the decision that we would the kids would stay here, and um, th- this house came on the market and. I don't know. I just literally had been working 20 years and I had exactly that amount of money in the bank. It was like the house cost $40,000. And I just threw it on, on that. And it was during that time that I had my head injury. And How did that happen? So that this house was just no one had been living in it for a long time. It was it was fallen into disrepair and it didn't have money to do anything or pay people to do it. I had to do everything around the house, and so um, I had a paid for scaffolding to be put up, and I was repairing the outside of the house. It just needed. A lot of the concrete needed patching up and and painting and I was one afternoon I was I just bent I bent down to load the brush for, with paint and stood up and the end of the scaffolding tube cracked me right on the top of the head and like I say it was like a, a lightning bolt going through me right and it's, it's, I felt it go right down to my heels Crack your skull. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was. Uh, I. I don't remember anything. Did you? That. You still have full force, right? Um. Apparently, I was just outside working. I don't remember doing that. 
or anything. I remember coming around in the evening. Yeah. Um, I had no depth perception or anything. And yeah. I don't know. The there's just this. Do you have any? Let me ask you this: Do you have any unconscious memories? Like if you were dreaming during this time, you were out. Every everything for me is just fragmented back then. Right, so I've got, I can remember everything up to head injury time, and then six months after that, much of it is a blur to me. I don't, wow. I, I can't recall. Much. Yeah, on the very, very top, like the, the thinnest the part of your skull, right? That's where the, the, doesn't that prenatal crack go down your skull? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they hit right up in there? Yeah. So, what part of the brain is there? So it's sort of sense motor going into sort of prefrontal cortex and and, and the, what I wasn't expecting, you know, even though I was a you know, clinical neuroscientist, I just wasn't prepared for these long term effects that came weeks to months after the injury. Did you have brain swelling? At all? Um, fuck going to hospitals here, dude. <laughs> I was just like that. I concussed. I'll get on with it. Fuck it. <laughs> um, I don't know what what they're gonna do. Um, I had I a friend. He had a he had a real bad head injury, and they had to drill a hole. Yeah. To or to cut a piece of his skull cap off so the brain could right, swell right, out. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they would have done that to me, but um, yeah. Not in Japan. <laughs> no way man no chance and the well the after then it, it I, I struggled to just be able to do the, the job that I was doing um, uh, I couldn't I wasn't functioning your well, cognitive cognitive function wasn't there yeah um, memory and speech just sort of when wasn't I wasn't fluid and fluent as I was and um so how'd you recuperate you just come back did it come back naturally or did you have to kind of force just, yourself to get better time and you know I had to eventually well I was getting all these um so because of the it was it's like a sort of point impact Right. So imagine like a, you know, a dot punch. Yes. Right. So it's kind of an injury like that. And I think there's a very sort of focalized injury where that, where it did happen. And when I was sleeping, I would get into, it was a sort of seizure pipe and dystonia which is like every, all the muscles would contract yeah. up and and I think that's because when you're sleeping you get these broad sweeps of electrical activity back and forward through the brain when you're sleeping yeah, and yeah. it would sort of trigger that and I, I was waking up with a lot of um, pain and um, so your know, entire body cramps up at one time yeah 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 and this this went on for months and months and you know because and i was still employed by the korean brain institute 
but because I was based in the lab was still in Japan. Did you have your health insurance? Uh, in Japan, yes. Yeah, and the I'm trying to think of the order. So eventually, I had to. I thought I'd sort of done damage to my neck or something because I was the arms, both arms were numb and um, and I and I had I had a well a lot of pain and this was Were you talking like morphine type pain? Oh yeah, it was it was pretty it, it's horrible because because it's damage central yeah. it's not like you just like inside out inside yeah you, out, ca yeah. you can't switch it off it's um very um like when my legs get really cold on my pad i can't stop it you know it's just gonna be till it gets warm again so, I was, so that was and how many years ago was that six yeah i want to say 2016 yeah, it was 2016. I'd been I'd been in Korea for three years, and I was I was just well, I can, I can remember I would just go. I used to be able to just cycle everywhere. I could I would cycle hundreds of kilometers a week all the time. And, yeah. Um, I was still trying to do that. I was doing, you know, I've <laughs> I've had to learn this lesson a few times, right? So I'd have like Joe Biden on a bicycle. Sorry. No, no, no. I, 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 did, I didn't. I didn't have that problem, but you know, there was this period where I would get to, you know, what would what was for me would have been an easy ride. I would get to the lab, and I would just head to my lab, lock the door, and just I couldn't move or anything. I would just lay there all day. When did you decide to to just hang it up? Uh, like people, pe people were asking me for projects and work, and and I was still involved with stuff right up till twenty nineteen. Yeah, and then I went. I went back Korea to help a colleague with a project in in the December twenty nineteen. That's, that was in Seoul, right? Uh, no, this was in Daegu. So oh, that's, Daegu, where you, Daegu that's where you got your exposure? Yeah, and Daegu was the super spreader event in Korea, and it was hundreds of thousands right. aces. <laughs> and, you know, I was coming back from, like, the head injury, right? You know, I'd still managed to sort of keep working and what have you, but the, that just set me back years, basically. And, and you I mean, knew right away it wasn't a normal flu, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I say, because of the head injury, I was I was gone, delirious for a week. When I saw the when I saw the very first video that they showed from from China, it was like November nineteenth. Something no, like that. A bit, bit later, but it would have been December. Uh, 
December it was circulating in the hospitals so, and they knew uh, and then January January you saw started seeing those videos they put out mm -hmm. and the minute I saw it I said that's a bioweapon <laughs> the first thing I said that's a bioweapon yeah so the so you're in there and this this covid thing happens to you mm. and and before this happened, you weren't a online personality no, at no, all. No, no, no. You're just a normal bloke trying to have a normal life, mm. doing his normal thing, right? Trying to discover some new miracle about Parkinson's. Yeah, yeah. Threats. Pretty much. Which a lot of people, a lot of people are helped by your work today, correct? Uh, you mean from the research that's been done? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, deep brain stimulation for OCD is... Um, my work was sort of the pioneerish. Yeah, it was. It was a demonstration that you could make an intervention with the with the technology as it as it was, with respect right. to Parkinson's, and modulate those brain circuits to um, try to reverse the abnormal behaviors and mm -hmm. but, do you ever see a time in the future where we're going to have an app on our phone when we want to feel happy we can just touch the app and put it up to our head well you know there's <laughs> that, you know what i think's coming right they'll be able to get the electronics down such that you can just wear like a cap right and it may just be possible that um you can you know so that there are techniques called so it's transcutaneous direct cortical stimulation you can buy these devices um rel relatively cheaply and um you know you, there are there are sort of zones where you can place the electrodes and people will say it can help you with um oh, yeah. concentration and mood and i th i think what will happen is is that the analytics of your brain activity will become it's already here right um these devices exist and there will be i don't you know stimulating the brain it's really really tough to modulate behavior the way that you think would be right. possible right um you know you're not going to stick a nine volt battery on your forehead and feel <laughs> so but the here's like realistically what i see sort of coming is the real-time eeg and using like just like classical sort of biofeedback right uh -huh. so you, you you can correlate what's a good state and i don't know you'll have an app on your phone and it'll say it, it realize when you're getting tired and what have you and, and i don't know maybe that's a good thing um yeah i envision a lot of interface but you know i and i know just like the internet you know there's going to be good things and there's going to be really bad things you know and you know, 
it's for instance like instead of having to go to school you just you just once you once you're implanted with the neural link you the entire content of google is in your brain it's well, you know I, I don't think like i say the implants you're going to need it in some cases right but the it may be that they're able to like do it say, without what, a risk that an antenna well like i say something so, something like tcd dcs might be might make like a sort of quantum jump once uh, you can get the real-time recording of eeg activity and so the same contact that's getting your brain activity may be able to get in there and you, you may be able to induce patterns of stimulation i mean that that would be a direction i would try and look and you know as i was um you know when i started my pi position i was geared very much towards this sort of free moving animals real time detection of what the behavior that they're doing and then being able to deliver well in this case sort of deep brain stimulation etc yeah, i've seen your videos yeah listen I, I was gearing up for patents and i was gonna <laughs> i could have just um been on the other side but you know back well things have changed so much and you know it, it's always it's always we will help fix a problem that's that's how this technology is always sold to the public right but the issue is that no there's um very very dark and nefarious things that you can do with technology like that right. and they're, they're doing it already they can yeah. so so you got your head injury you get your covid you've you've kind of run run it out when it comes down to being able to work the way that you used to work how then did you get to decide to be doing exactly what you're doing today with with the advocacy on the on the internet and trying to get the word out there and trying to help people well so as... what, how did that occur <laughs> So just as COVID was ramping up, I was like, like I say, I knew it was something different, right? Than it wasn't your regular blue or something was amiss. Yeah. And, um, so as I'm recovering over the, you know, you're getting into the end of January and I'm sitting there and I'm struggling to breathe and what have you and the the news just starts coming out about oh there's a outbreak of this disease in wuhan and then things started to snowball from there but and you know so i started sort of following message boards virological was one i was paying attention to and um and very early on, people were looking at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and at, at the time, I was just like, "Oh, they've they've had a lab accident, 
That's that's what I was thinking at the time, and they're just um... live accidents happen all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the time. I mean, don't let those assholes make make you think that it doesn't. And the and so as as I was sort of watching this, I was like, I say in my mind already, I was like, yeah, and that that's outside the range of normal and lab lab based um pathogen seemed reasonable I've, i mean i'm trained to work in bsl3 and 4 primate facilities and the my assumption was that you know they'd been running running experiments on monkey you know the monkey kidney cells everyone's sort of very familiar with that now or they'd been passaging or testing on monkeys which is gain of function well it depends depends what they're doing well yeah you can you can passage to try to find more uh, yeah more transmissible or more cause more sickness i guess um but that's a very hit and miss approach and the the simple fact is is that this this recombinant technology has been around for a long time right and it it had been in you know i i've used it adenovirus vectors that type of thing and the the presumption on my mind at the time was yeah this is a lab origin and because of the because what it did to me i was like okay this i need to i wasn't even i wasn't even sort of talking publicly about it i was just making mental notes etc and then i'm sitting there and uh, andrew kaufman comes across my radar <laughs> And then I'm watching him just make scientific error after scientific error. And I'm like, holy shit, what, the, what is this? And then I just... Then, you, then it's vitamin commercial came on. Yeah, and, you know, I was... And so at the time I was thinking, well, you know, but there's, I could see the discussion building about the lab origin, right? And at the same time, there's this no virus thing um emerging on the internet and so i'm thinking to myself i should just i can at least challenge the the crank side the lab accident side i was just like yeah I I, i'm not sure what we'll be able to do but you know there was this basically international effort of picking apart the nature of the pathogen and it's it's a fairly good bet that yeah that they were or someone someone has understood the techniques well enough to be able to be slicing and making this chimeric and synthetic biology yeah. that um, has they, this. Uh, when you say chimeric um 
I think I know the answer, but for those who don't, maybe you can tell us why in, in any explanation would they put GP120 in the mix? Well, so it's homologous to GP120, right? That's, that's the important distinction. It's not exactly the nucleotide. So you want, you've got a nucleotide level and then you've got the amino acid level. Right. Right. And the nucleotide level is different and it expresses slightly different amino acids, but they're similar in structure to these HIV, like, uh, well, these class one fusion peptides, right? And, you know, there's, there's debate about whether it's how much is sort of convergent evolution from different strains to focus in but there was... has that type, of, that type of thing ever been done before to a covid virus oh yeah yeah they've been doing that for years and you know the, the so issue... mix and matching all types of things in order to get something different mm. yeah so that yeah. they can make a remedy against it yeah. in case yeah. in case the enemy does the same thing yes yeah and... that's their dual use bullshit right yeah and that's that's you know really you know what what we've come to understand is that these programs were should we say out of control and it, it's a consequence of what happened in 9/11 and the anthrax and as a consequence that industry just got billions poured into it and it was i i would say it was just a matter of time Again, I don't. I'm. I don't think we'll ever find out who exactly did it, right? It's 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 the next iteration of the sort of nine eleven type style of events. When, when was your first first? When was your very first uh, public out uh, public uh, presentation? You know towards what you were thinking you know your first podcast or your first youtube video or your first whatever you did uh i want to say the february or march and um I, I made like a few videos and i was just trying to tell people hey this is something you need to be paying attention to this this isn't um we're not in Kansas anymore. Everything, things. Well, we we see now what what what's going on and how they're how they're trying to maneuver the populace, etc., in a in, in a particular direction. And um, but you know, at the time, most people were just what? Well, like I was thinking at the beginning, lab accident, right? That's that. That's the most simple answer. But the problem is with what we've seen globally, it looks far more coordinated than that. But the it, are you ever going to find the perpetrator? Per se, probably not. Can we take a bite out of the institutions, etc., that provide the cover? Yeah, I, I think that's possible. Um, you know the. 
Well, what we know today, right? We know today that they released the Kraken. <laughs> um, and we, we also know that there's probably something else coming. They just told us the other day, right? Biden said there's going to be a second pandemic. Well. Or is he just talking about his... I, I think that... Well, there's two possibilities. That one, they do deliberately try to release something. The other is that the... And this is something I've just been blackpilling people on is that the their job is done. The Malthusians got what they wanted, right? And you know, all these big increases in cancer, dementia, cardiovascular. The well, yeah. well of humanity, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the problem is is that most people are just not gonna want to bite down on the gravity of what's happened and you can and yet there's many many factors you have to deal with right so you know some people got their asses kicked by it there are people in the ground because of it and people in the ground because of these policies that were all ready to go and you know, it's it's a lot of sort of circumstantial evidence i guess you could argue but um it's you're not we're not having a scientific discussion anymore right it's as charles says right now it's about burden of proof in courts of law and what a jury decides um, you hold them to the fire yeah mm -hmm. for what um, we know already so it, the, the so the other thing is that you know what you talk about surviving this thing, right? And, and, you know, taking care of our health, changing our habits, if we have any negative ones, um, eating well. Hey, look, uh, and, and look, I have plenty of bad habits still, right? Yeah, me um, too. I'm not, I'm not sitting here and uh, acting as a paragon of virtue, but, you know, there are... There are interventions that you can make right that are just going to help push the odds Simple. in your favor right if you smoke 40 cigarettes a day then you know you're, you're probably looking at an early grave anyway right yeah. and that that might just take you there that bit quicker um, you know, my 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 real concern right now is if they've really managed to get into the germline of people's genetics, right? That their reproductive systems have been. We're seeing we're seeing quite a fall in reproductive outcomes mm -hmm. all over the place, right? Japan, yep. Scotland. Yep. Uh, premature births, you know. Um, or what they call that spontaneous abortions yeah. um people with having you know ladies that are having problems with their menstrual cycles um yeah. and this goes on and on and on and on and on but um what's your next step as far as you know what what's your next focus that we're gonna try well, to get across to people That's a good question. Um, we know we don't. You don't have to duplicate the the experiments that they did in Germany, right? 
Uh, which experiments? The ones, the the, uh, the doctor in Germany that did them. Um, oh, Burkhart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I think, but... uh, look, <laughs> there's um, Cause... you need proper full lab facilities to be doing. That that type of stuff, and until somebody uh, comes up and says, "Here's a couple hundred thousand, Kev." That's out oh, of yeah, the I mean, yeah, I'd have a good crack at it, but yeah, yeah, you need to be talking in those numbers if you want to be able to do it. And the the, the there will be no incentive for labs to be going down that avenue. There just right. isn't right. The 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 powers behind all this and just make people's lives a misery. I mean, you just look how fractious everything is anyway. Um, the... Yeah, I lost, you know, pre-COVID, after COVID, I lost 98%, about 98% of my income in, in two months. Because in my business, in the recovery world, right, sober living homes and the treatment centers, when the COVID thing hit them, they're more concerned about taking care of their people than they are getting a website built. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, I just, I, I, I wouldn't even talk to them. I said, no, they're too busy trying to, trying to save their, uh, you know, save their people from COVID, much less want to get a website built. But, you know, the whole world's changed. It'll never go back to normal. Yeah. I, I, like I say, I think that, um, that, that ship's uh, sailed already. And, you know, it's about, you know, if I had a, you know, what's what's getting me up each day to sort of, you know, still keep working through papers, looking at um, all the events happening globally, it's it's because, well, the the hypothesis that you're dealing with bio warfare just gets stronger by the day, and the Russians have just come out and released. A whole bunch more data and a whole bunch more um individuals that they want to hold to account and we've we've stepped into some nightmare fuel scenarios and the yeah again the idea that you're just gonna or it's just gonna stop is i would say <laughs> naive right now there are there are a bunch of people making a lot of money and making big power plays at the moment and they want they want whole new systems in place um what i would say to people is look it's always been like that you're just living through one of those moments in history and your job is to get to the other side of it and right. understand understand or try to get a grip of the forces at play that's all. And yeah. if you can do that, then you, you, you're still in the fight, right? And I, th there's the, it's so important for people to understand the concept of you, your, your individual being a sovereign individual, right? All, all this technocratic nightmare that they're building, it's all... It's all contract, right? You do have the right to say no. Now, now look, in it, going down that path will not be easy, right? 
we know that they want to bring in passports. We know that they, they want to do all sorts of surveillance and interventions, etc. It's It's the new way of them making money and productivity right the and i'm i don't yeah i wish i, I wish i had better advice for people at this point i don't right I, right yeah, now I, think, I don't think we know enough yet <laughs> you know there's so much more we need to know you know the it's uh, but I see things getting a lot worse before they get better. I mean, a lot worse. And I don't see very much sunshine on the horizon. Look, man, you've got the Russians literally accusing the U.S. and the West of engaging in bio-warfare. Right? We've, we've stepped into a... Like I say, it's... A, what's his name? Clancy. Tom Clancy-type novel. This is... Yeah, it's like the sum of all fears and mm. all that stuff. You know, why would they wanting? Why did they want synovial fluid from Russians in Ukraine? You know, mm. that's it. These aren't benign programs, folks. Right. Um, maybe they had the best of intentions at the beginning, but just it... not anymore. Yeah. Do you think that's? Do you think that the the but the, the bio you know the bioweapons or the dual use laboratories they had in Ukraine were operating full bore when Trump was in office? Yeah. So this thing has been going on for quite a while. Yeah, long, long, long time. Like I say, that's that's why Nick is such. A... <sighs> critical with his anthropology and history of these programs and how they manage move us into this space and it, it's not like it didn't come from it didn't just emerge in the last couple of years this is decades in the making um, yeah it's been a long, long drawn out plan mm -hmm. yeah very much I, I i haven't seen any evidence to um point in the other direction and you know this week we've had the the chinese cdc releasing lab data well, or analysis of the wuhan market and basically saying no the market zoonosis hypothesis is not uh it doesn't in the water <laughs> and so what, what does that mean well we're we're falling ever further into that biodefense yeah. countermeasures. Ford Dietrich comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, they, they, all, all of it. And the, the, the problem is, is that unlike in the, I don't know, like the post-Second World War period and where there were dedicated institutions that would be responsible for, I don't know, yeah, bio-warfare. We'll stick with that. What happened is, is that they just seeded the um, the, the academic institutes right? and and used that as their brain trust yeah. and skill trust and and it just grew and grew and those institutes like that money 
and the the next century is going to be about this type of synthetic recombinant type biology as they try to find new ways to look some of it might be great okay it's <laughs> just um but the well you know the, we, we've got a couple of probabilities looking staring us in the face right and the the, the most dark and the most black pill is that these club of rome neo-malthusians got what they wanted in in, in this last three years and yeah. if they they lined up billions billions of people and pumped them full of you know gene genetic toxins and peptide toxins can i ask you a question about sv40 right Sure. They use SV40 in the industry for what? As uh, a, as a it's like a base? Yeah, so it's uh, they call it promoter sequence. So the okay. idea is is that it's picked up and more easily translated, right? So you, you would have circular piece of DNA, like. How do you, how do you get the cellular machinery to attach onto it and spit out what you want? And the SV forty promoter is like a hand waving out saying, "Grab me," and then read from this, and it'll it'll. And how is that in connection to the vaccines? Well, they've used this plasmid recombinant technology to make the mRNA in the in uh, the case of Pfizer and the Dernick vaccine, but also the um the Johnson and Johnson um adenovirus type vaccines, that's that would be based on plasmids as well. Gotta you got I have a Johnson and Johnson. You had Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, I had one Jensen and one Johnson and Johnson. Um, don't take any more, bro. Oh no, no. This is before, before I met you. I think, yeah, before I met you. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably what messed up your, uh, your lower. Well, my third testicle grew is about eighty, ninety percent larger than what it was. Yeah, keep the ladies happy, right? Hey, the Catholics say I can get married twice now. <laughs> <laughs> Some old, old blue law that they have on the books. But uh, yeah, so what's the next steps for you in the next immediate future here? Uh, um, I'm, that... I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, people, people find it useful. Um, I find it. I probably spend too much time doing it. Um, I've got other things that I could be doing. But, you know, this is. Uh, well, you know, that. The community that's built up is very, very special. And yeah, that you've actually you've actually um, created a a real community, right? Mm -hmm. These are people that know each other. They love on one another. Look what they did for me, you know, when I was 
needing some support. Um, and that, uh, I've never experienced that from from people before ever in my entire life, and it was a uh, quite a quite a thing. And, and I think that community is what's going to be our saving grace when things fall apart. Yeah, that's that's my sort of. I think uh, I see things falling apart. I don't, I don't see them getting together. Yeah. You know, look around. They they need it to fall apart. They've got yeah. all these new systems that they want to roll in, and um, look, just just look at how the AI has evolved in the last few months. That you're not putting that back in the box, yeah. right? And the automation is coming. The Robots are coming, or all of it. Skynet. Skynet is coming. Well, <laughs> you know the Skynet would be the uh, equivalent of SpaceNet, or well, no, no, Star Starlink, right? Well, so the yeah. so the vicious AI takes they it hijacks Starlink, and then it creates all this evil around the world. <laughs> Maybe I mean humans are good enough at making evil, right? It's not. Um, they don't need AI to do it, <laughs> right? Uh, the, you know, the the question is, is just, are we going to be able to sort of maintain the vestiges of you know, this this type of existence? And sure. the you know the way the internet is going and how they're looking to sort of lock that down. Um, you know, it may it may just be a case that um, even this what what we're doing now might become difficult right oh yeah and the well yeah. we might be classed as we might be classed as bioterror or not uh, anti-bioterrorists well <laughs> i think it would be more a classification of um just, just dissident Dissidents, yes. Yeah, and you're not you're not going with the programming. Well, being uh, Scottish, we were born to be dissident. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, in in that situation, I I think I I'd rather have a couple of thousand close followers than two hundred thousand people. Yeah. Smash. Right. Yeah. And because you can work with those types of numbers and community size to be operational, at, you know, at multiple levels. And we've seen that um, play out over the, the last few years, whether it's data sharing, uh, uh -huh. helping someone you or... All, all, all these things are a tool. I'm not going to say weapon. They're tools to be able to um, adapt very, very quickly to the changes that they make. And I can right. assure you that they're making, they're having to make changes because of what we're doing. For yeah. sure. Right? And Look, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna get rich doing this right this is i don't know it, it's there's like a, a sort of critical mass that you get to when information is being fed in 
to the network where it it, it can respond quickly and right. you know if i've got a few hundred other eyes looking out for data and uh, sure. sig signals um it gets aggregated and then we can get our heads yeah. together and try to find solutions to it and yeah. you know the you know a, a good example was when i went to the us in november right i yeah. showed i showed that it was possible to travel without having to get vaccines right, right? um and you know that's a, that's this process of saying no i'm not complying with your rule set right, right. It, the, the, and it's about establishing your natural rights right to, to, we have we've worked this out we worked it out centuries ago and right. there's a there's been a struggle ever since between say, the the corporatized world and the what well you know a lot of people are caught in this crap matrix you could argue where they've meat grinder <laughs> well i'm i'm sort of reluctant to use that phrase at the moment just because they're real <laughs> There are real meat grinders going on right now, and yeah, there uh, are real meat grinders. Yeah, going on, yeah. and you know the, the you know if I, if I had a magic wand, right, it it would be it would be to make it such that people were able to reorientate their priorities, right, that the and I get it that we're caught in systems. And like I say, I rail about this all. It's debt. They get you into debt. And so you have to play in their system, right? Uh -huh. And if if I can do anything, it's try to convince people that you know, you've got to be able to get and discharge that debt. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that when I went to university, it was still free. Right, and so I didn't, I didn't have a student debt burden. And I feel pretty fortunate not having any debt. Of course, you know I pissed all mine away with a forty-year addiction. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a more, there, you know, there is a freedom to it. I got a made down this my friend Martin, and um, you know he's got a two hundred eighty thousand dollar mortgage, and he drives a Mercedes at sixty thousand dollar car payment, and. You know, he's got all this stuff piled on top of him, and I don't, you know. I I just, I own very little, and I'm happy. I guess I'm one of Carl, Carl, Klaus Schwab's guys. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's a degree of material comfort that you want to be able to get to, right? You want to, <laughs> you want working plumbing, you want um, heating yeah. and that type of thing, and... um it's the look and i get it man i've been i've been in that headspace where oh i want this i want that and um i would no it's it's just japan is is unique and just that it housing is cheap 
Yeah. Right. And that's, I don't know, they, they just have a very different mindset with respect to... It's a, it's a nice culture to be around because it's quiet and reserved and respectful and those types of things too, right? You don't find chaos in the streets in Tokyo. No, no, no. Right. I, I've, I've never... <laughs> the only fight I've seen in Japan is one I've been in. <laughs> That's it. And... Funny. Um, you know, I wish I didn't have to have done that, but sometimes, yeah, you got a you got to tidy up around your neighbourhood, right? And that's that's it's true. That's, that's what I did. <laughs> well, um, I'll be I'll be, uh, I'll be putting this thing together. Are there any last words you want to get across to, the, to our our good people out here? Um. Last words. Well, I hope they're not last words. Oh, you know. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would say this. Right. Think what we've accomplished. Right. Just as a, as a group, as a community, and you know, being able to shut down the space in which these chaos agents sort of run. Right. And so that that they don't have a easy time of it pushing, and I, you know I, I'm con I am convinced that these psychological operations, a lot of them are controlled by a sort of quasi-military private um, intel organizations. Uh -huh. It's it's written all over it. You can feel it. Yeah. Right? And so see what see how far we've come. See what we see. How much we've learned, and appreciate how ro robust it's 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 being able to make people, right? So you're not getting you're not getting pulled down into rabbit holes, and you're not getting lost in sort of cycles of despair, right? And that's coming to knowledge and understanding that's why we do it you know it helps go through the learning process and it you rise above a problem right and you become skilled and adept at dealing with that problem and i i would um I, i'm forever grateful for people that do um listen in and support you know what is a community effort not just not just me and let them try their next thing and now we on the know spiritual that. river you know the, the, the river i flow in has brought quite a, a number of people together over the last few months you know and from jimmy to bruce to rio to epic to you you know and then we got the ron Patton and ground zero crew got a uh, um ryan dawson you know he's a good hookup um there's a bunch of people out there that, that support you and support us at IBM. You know, we're, we're a, a, another place that's 100% listener supported. Um, where can people find your stuff? I know you're, a, a, for, for my audience, you're found on Rumble, right? Yeah. 
You're not on YouTube anymore. No, I'm just uh, don't use these systems. Don't feed the beast. <laughs> just find alternatives. And look, Rumble's feeding it as well, but it's just not. It's the lesser of two evils at the moment. But the main, the, the main place you want them at is the WTYL, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's there, and I, th I think what will happen with that architecture as they clamp down on the internet, right? people are going to look for these little oases where there isn't data gathering. I would never do anything like that. Um, very much uh, a violation of sovereignty when when they do. And um, I, I think that will... Well, I'm hoping, I'm praying that that will, will sort of become... A, a little little island in an archipelago of other little islands where people are sharing information and just well, you have to yeah. watch these people if you don't watch them they'll they'll come and try and take a piece of you well you're a big part of my life today and you know i don't watch normal media anymore i i'm only uh my time's too, I don't have very much time left on the planet, so what time I do have is very valuable to me, and I'm only going to invest that time in, into someone who's going to help me understand things better, which you do. And um, so that's one of my, you know, one of the things that keeps me alive, actually. <laughs> um, Jimmy Jean and those guys, they help me quite a bit and, and, and give me, and, it, and it's not, it, as far as financial help or anything like that, that's not as important as the the help I get on being, being given a purpose. You know, I have a purpose in my life today to carry a message, you know, and, and the message out there for me is that there's people here that that understand where you might be at if you're scared or lonely or you don't know what to do. Maybe COVID is stolen from you and, you know, taken out one of your relatives. You know we're we're the we're the people that understand this, and that and you know join us and help support Kevin on his platform, help support us on the IBM. I'll be putting the show together on the on the Audacity get it edited, and it'll probably air next week, Kev. So I'll have it on. I'll let you know when that happens. This week I have um, Bruce McDonald. That'll uh, air ten o'clock Monday or Sunday morning at ten. I think, yeah, 10 a.m. And then again, I'll have uh, uh, that repeat at 6 p.m. on Sundays on the IBM. And then you'd be screaming all the time. <laughs> and now go on to Kev's website, mccarrandojo.com. And if you don't do anything else on there, do one thing, and that's register to be notified for the emails that he, get, he sends out every time he goes live. Join us and spread the message to everybody you know and that you care about and love. Because the things that we share on, on his channel and that we share on our other channels is, is sometimes can be life-saving. Some of the things that are, are shared are, are actually life-saving. Uh, life-saving. So. And uh, no, no adverts, no nothings, just, uh, <laughs> just pure content. Okay, say. well, thanks for your time, Kev, and I appreciate you. Yeah. I love you, brother. Yeah, same And uh, I'll be talking to you very soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have a, oh, is it morning for you, right? Uh, it's like, uh, 
No, it's 5.30. You enjoy the rest of the evening? I'm sure it's a pleasant spring spring day. Yeah, it's been yeah. a nice sunny day here today. Yeah. Um, that's And that's that's the thing, folks. Those things still exist, right? It's still... Uh, there's still all that beauty out there. Um, yeah, we got that know. daffodils are sprouting up everywhere. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, life, life finds a way, bro. <laughs> all right, man. I'll see you later. Right. Thanks, Yeah, Bye-bye. take it easy. Recording stop. All right. Uh, well, thank you, folks, for uh, listening in. Um, I've got a whole bunch of studies that I want to get to. Uh, that want to do. Um, it's not this page. Um prions are coming next so i don't know if i'll stream tomorrow or not um might be family time but uh the the data's still pouring in and i'll just I'm web. get my screen sorted and i will have a quick scroll through the chat oh it didn't work. It says it was working. Why didn't that do that? That worked, right? So why isn't that? Hmm. Lost the chat history. Maybe I can just scroll through restream, see what we got here. Did that, did that. Uh, did that. Uh, uh says really enjoying the chat lads thank you very much uh yes and uh salute to commander baker i'm sure he's uh looking down with a rice smile right now kevin can now become a post-laboratory investigator focusing on neuroregeneration infectious psychiatric pathology and other cutting-edge brain science topics hmm i don't know i'm uh how would you say I'm disillusioned with um, all of that sort of requires more sort of corporate or institute type infrastructure. And I'm not sure that I want to be doing that. Uh, Epigenetic manipulation of psychiatric behavioral disorders induced by toxoplasma gondii. Ah, look, stop having cats in your house. That's why you should have a dog. All right. Uh, it's better than OnlyFans, usually. <laughs> Anyone happen to have a link handy for Kev's guest? Yes. Uh, let me see if I can find that. You know what? Um, it's in the Discord. Let's see. Are you craving bananas? Do you need to fling some poop? No. I, ne- I hate bananas. <laughs> uh... Oh, Alberto put the link. Thank you very much. Uh, all you saving lives here in the raccoon bunker in the sun. Yeah, and like I say, I think um, I'm proud of what we've been able to do. And, you know, a lot of people would have spiraled out of control. 
when is the supplement range coming out? Never. I don't. I can't see myself doing that. Um, it's just. It's not who I am. I don't. I don't like that. I don't know. Like push pushing product. Right. I, I, if if people want to support the work, um, that's that's great. Uh, dogs have toxo too. How dare you? How dare you pop my illusions? <laughs> All right, so I think that's uh, the chat taken care of, and I'm not sure. I, uh, Nick, I know we wanted to do a stream. Just got to see. I've got to do some family time this week, so or this tomorrow at least, and um. Maybe maybe the beginning of the... Oh, no. So Monday, I'll be speaking with uh, Steve Massey, who's, uh, who's really been in the Lab Origin fight. And he'll be joining me. So it'll be Monday evening US time, Tuesday morning Japanese time. And we'll see how that pans out. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, I've got that. Speak to Chris. And then Prions. And um, I need to get to speak with Charles, I guess. Um, and yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the reality engine throws at us. Let me just check if he wants donor. Thank you. Oh, yeah, there's been a couple. Uh, no names, though. So, uh, let's see. I've got a new one. <laughs> Where did it go? Can I play it? How can I play that? Because it's... Um, I haven't got it loaded on. Board. Do this. Yeah. Uh this is this is my new stinger. We've got Chemical Alley and now we've got the big boss man himself. Come here. The Arab Chad theme is great. Come here you. I go over. Alright, so for those that sent donos uh pan arab chads number two here you go <laughs> there we go boom all right uh take care god bless i will see you in the next one Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these peppers! I will fucking kill each fucking pepper! I swear! This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually say. Fuck these chapters. No fucking vaccine or MRI.